Welcome to Wisco Legacy. I'm your host, Corey Kundert. Today on episode 14, we have Jonathan Orr. Jonathan was a former Badger football wide receiver here. I uh, spent some time in the NFL with the Tennessee Titans and the Oakland Raiders and now runs an incredible nonprofit organization called Athlete Transition Services. Athlete Transition Services focuses on uh, life after sports. Uh, the transition from life after sports is tough for a lot of people and so he's doing exceptional work working with colleges and universities and uh, professional sports leagues and helping those transition to life after sports. Uh, as always, uh, follow us on our social media channels, hit that subscribe button on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you could rate and review us, that would be great as well. It's the best way to support us here at Wisco Legacy. Uh, next week, I have Dusty Weiss. Dusty is a the founder and president of PodCamp Media over in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He's a fellow uh, Monroe Cheesemaker alum like myself, and he's got an incredible podcast called Lead Balloon, uh, which you can check out anywhere you listen to podcasts. So excited for you to get that out, to get that out. Um, but with all that, I'm really excited to dive into this conversation with former Badger wide receiver and current uh, executive director of Athlete Transition Services, Jonathan Orr. Hey, I'm Jonathan Orr, former Wisconsin Badger wide receiver and founder and executive director of Athlete Transition Services, and this is my Wisco Legacy. Hi, I'm Corey Kuhnert, the host of Wisco Legacy. On today's episode, we have Jonathan Orr. Jonathan is a former Wisconsin Badger wide receiver and currently the founder and executive director of Athlete Transition Services. Jonathan, welcome to Wisco Legacy. Man, Corey, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I've been excited the past couple of weeks since we put this on the calendar. So I'm, I'm so glad uh, I get the opportunity to be here with you today. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for thanks for doing this. All right. So I want to start with the early years. Uh, you grew up uh, near Detroit. Can you talk about growing up? growing up around there? Yeah, so I'm from the northwest side of Detroit. Um, and so the neighborhood I grew up in was rough, to say the least, uh, surrounded by a lot of craziness and, and negativity and violence. But um, thank God, my brothers and I, we have uh, two great parents who, uh, in the midst of everything that was going on, they provided a loving, stable, nurturing home. And, um, and my dad was real intentional about making sure that my brothers and I were exposed to things outside of our neighborhood. And and gave us as, as best he could uh, experiences um, is to show us that it's more to life than what was going on in our, on our street. And so one of the things he did was introduce my brothers and I to sports at a very young age. And uh, it just so happens that football is a sport we all gravitated to mostly. And um, yeah, about the age of nine is when I started playing organized football. And, and you couldn't tell me that I wasn't going to the NFL and have a 20 year career like my childhood hero, Jerry Rice. And so, uh, so yeah, sports was a huge part uh, of our life uh, growing up. It really kept us out of the streets and kept us focused on something positive. Yeah. What was it about football that, that really got you? Well, I, I think it, it, um, it allowed me to, to u- utilize like my natural gifts. So I was always, uh, I always had some speed. And so, um, you know, and, and catching came fairly easy to me as a kid. And so I'm like, man, I can catch and, you know, run faster than most of the people that on the playground and, and, and had some success at a young age. And, and you know how it is. Once you sort of find something that you're good at when you're young and you want to keep doing it. And uh, so I, I think that was it. And it just, you know, allowed me to sort of exercise some of the natural uh, gifts um, that I had early on. Yeah, you know, I I played football uh, nowhere near a high level, but uh, for me, it was kind of 
the uh, at first like the camaraderie with teammates yeah. and, and learn how to work hard and, and all that stuff yeah. um that was that was really awesome too yeah yeah and i like the uniforms man because before yeah. before we played organized uh football we would always play in the neighborhood but i remember on fridays all the kids who were on a team they would wear their their little little league jerseys to school and so after a couple of years of not having one i'm like dad come on man we gotta we need a jersey too that we can wear on Fridays, and so, so that that played a part in it too. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah. Um, so, talk about your your high school career. Um, you you eventually uh, got recruited to Wisconsin, but um, what was your high school career like? Yeah, so um, I had a great high school program, uh, product of Detroit, Detroit Public School, uh, Henry Ford High School, and so um, our 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 head coach uh, at that time, um, for my whole duration there was a guy by the name of Mike Marshall, and he built a phenomenal program. Um, I don't know how many players from our school went to uh, college, uh, not not just Division One schools, but everything from junior college to to Division One. Um, and I think he was there a total of uh, over twenty years, and so yeah, j- just did an amazing job and provided so many guys with opportunities. And uh, to, to give you an idea of, of of how stacked we were, my sophomore year, which was the first year I played on varsity, we had. 13 guys go to play college football off that team, 13, wow. Um, wow. most of which were Division One. We had the number one receiver in the state, right? My junior year, we had the number one quarterback in the state, the number one tight end in the country. Wow. Right? And then um, – and so just by virtue of being on that team, like a school was there every week, right, checking out these guys. So, um, so it ex- gave a lot of us younger guys exposure starting off early, so – uh yeah. so yeah what was the the recruitment experience like for you very exciting uh this is before we had social media and before uh you know it was as big as it is now so literally coaches had to come to your school or um you know sit and you know sit down and, and, and take the time to send you letters in the mail there wasn't any really emails going on back then anything like that and so uh, I mean, it, it was exciting, man. I remember the first time I met um, Coach Mason, who was uh, the receiver, my, my receivers coach at Wisconsin, also the guy who recruited the city of Detroit. And uh, it was spring of my junior year of high school. And I was walking down the hall. Somebody comes up to me with a Wisconsin uh, vest on and said, hey, are you Jonathan Noor? I'm like, yeah. He's like, man, we really like what you're doing on the field. I'm Henry Mason. And and that started uh, the beginning of a, of a beautiful relationship, man. Um, still to this day, I talked to coach Mason and, uh, and so, so yeah, it, it was, it, that recruitment, uh, sort of phase was a, was a very special time. Yeah. I, I've heard a lot of stories about coach Mason. I've been listening to the believe in Badger podcast with yeah. Matt, Matt Bernstein. Yeah, yeah. You were on pretty recently yeah. and, uh, so many stories about him. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like a phenomenal coach. He is. Phenomenal coach yeah. and just man in general, man. You know? Yeah. So what what led you to Wisconsin? Why did Wisconsin stand out to you? It was, I think, a, a few things. One, um, the integrity of, of Coach Mason and Coach Alvarez. You know, during that recruitment process, a lot of coaches lie. I, I don't know how to say it right. They lie. They tell mm-hmm. you what you want to hear. You know, we're going to give you the world. You're going to be All-American your freshman year. Just – but Coach Mason was just brutally honest with, with my dad, with me. Um, hey, these are weaknesses in your game. I think I can help you here. If you come here, you probably won't play your first year. We'll probably redshirt you, give you a ch- chance to develop. And and it was just odd because 
you know, that's the opposite of what most other folks were doing. And you got to respect that. Um, and, and I think my, my parents trusted that because it was bigger than football, right? Like that they wanted to make sure if you're sending your, your son somewhere that, that you have somebody who's vested in their, 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 uh, just overall well being, man. And we, and they felt like they had that in coach Mason. It was a, it's, it's a phenomenal university, right? Always one of the top universities in the country. Um, even though I, I wouldn't play my first year, I knew there would be an opportunity to play early. Um, and, and, and at that time, you know, Albie had been there about 10 years and, and it was obvious that he was building something special and wanted to be a part of something special. I think they had won two Rose Bowls, uh, you know, a couple of years prior and, and Big Ten champs. And, um, man, it was just a good fit. It was just a, a great fit. Uh, yeah, for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful campus too. I mean, yeah. it's it's one of a kind, yeah. you know, right in the isthmus there, and yeah, awesome. Uh, so you had some some pretty talented people you were playing with when you when you got to Wisconsin. Lee Evans was there, Brooks Bollinger. Uh, you had a ton of people make it to the NFL. Um, what was the? Were there certain people that kind of took you under under your wing when when you got there? Or you make some connections with some of those those guys fairly early, or how how did that go? The first guy I got connected to that's part of the program was Jim Sorgi. So Jim, he's from the Metro Detroit area from Fraser, Michigan. And so uh, he was having some success there. So when they started recruiting me, whenever he was home, like back home for, a, you know, a break or a Christmas break or something, they would send him up to the school, uh, to my high school. And so, uh, you know, my, my high school is predominantly black, right? Uh, you know, I'm probably 99% black. And I just remember one day, all my friends and stuff was like, man, this is tall white dude here looking for you, man. And I'm thinking I'm in trouble like a white guy. And uh, and it was Jim, man. And he just talked and told me about the program and his experience there. And, uh, and you know, Jim used to air that thing out. And so now I see Jim, the upcoming season, just throwing bombs all over the place. I'm like, yeah, I could I could get used to that. So he was the first one. And then on my visit, uh, it was Lee Evans. Uh, he was my host. And uh, and. Ever since then, still to this day, I talked to Lee a couple of weeks ago, man, still getting advice and, and mentorship from Lee about, you know, life and, and business and, and things like that. And uh, just one of the, man, just one of the most just fiercest competitors, but um, just kind human beings, man. And just just a, just a, just an awesome guy, man. And so, um, you know, Brooks, too. I still talk to Brooks Bollinger, man. We talked a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and so. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a family. It's, it's, it's definitely bigger than football. So, Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it seems like it, you know, listen, seeing all the um, all the players interact still and coming back to the university for homecoming and things like that, it's, it seems like such a family atmosphere. So yeah. that's really great to see. Um, so what was that transition like from high school to college? I mean, you were obviously on a really highly successful team over in Michigan, but uh, coming into college had to be a huge transition, whether, you know, it's working out, balancing school and uh, football and all that. Can you just talk about that transition? It, it was rough, Corey. Um, I, just the academic side alone, right? Like my high school, I graduated with a fairly decent GPA, but it did not prepare me for the demand and the rigor of, of a university like Wisconsin. And so, um, having to juggle just the academic side alone was huge. So I couldn't even imagine having had to play as a true freshman and deal with all of that. And so, um, so that by the time I finished fall camp, so, that, so that's the academic side. By the time I finished fall camp, it felt like I had already been through a whole season of high school football. That's mm -hmm. how worn out mm -hmm. I was. 
you know, that's back in the day when it was two a days and we we're hitting all the time. And, and, uh, I, I just physically was not, was not ready, uh, either. Um, and so that, uh, you know, you still want to have a social life and, and, and enjoy that experience. I wasn't playing. Right. So let me go down to state street on the weekends. And yeah. so it was a lot to juggle. And, um, and actually, man, I was on academic probation, uh, after my first semester. And so, um, but in that second semester, you know, I, I sort of figured out, you know, how to navigate those waters and, and how to study and, and how to prioritize certain things. And uh, and so was able to, you know, better manage that all of that, um, you know, by my sophomore year. Yeah. Yeah, that has to be such a challenging time to come in. And um, yeah, I can't imagine like a guy like Braylon Allen right now coming in at obviously he's 17. Everybody you know, comments about that, yeah, but, yeah. um, coming in as a true freshman like that and just handling all of this is gotta be yeah. just a lot to manage. It, yeah. I can't even, yeah. And they had a late season right in high school. So yep. wasn't he playing yep. like back in the spring? Yep. He was playing in the spring and, that, <laughs> and then coming right into the big 10. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, that's tough. Yeah. It has to be. Yeah. So you got some some pretty good playing time your freshman year. Uh, you know, after your redshirt, you you got on the field quite a bit. That was kind of had a breakout year your freshman year. Can you talk about the experience of, of getting on the field and maybe walking on Camp Randall for the first time? What was that like? Oh, that that was amazing. Um, so even even as a redshirt, you know, you're on the sideline, and, and, and for some reason, I was constantly at least back in the day. Even if you redshirted, you still dressed for the game and you went through the warmups and everything. And I think a part of it was to get you used to that atmosphere, that energy. So when you do play finally, you know, it's not catching you off guard, but it's nothing like, uh, you know, stepping on the field from the first time and it's so loud, you know, it's so bright. And, and, uh, and all these things were, I remember running through my head, we played against Fresno state, um, my red shirt freshman year, first game of the season. And, and, um, and yeah, I just remember trying to process so much like, like, what is Brooks saying? And okay, am I on the right side or the left side? And, and and just trying to go through all of that. Okay, who am I blocking? But then you know, after a series or two, it's just, it's just like practice, right? And and uh, everything slows down, and you can start to to think, and 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 you get in the rhythm. But uh, it's special, man. It's a it's a still when I go back now for games, you can still feel the energy, right. And the electricity, uh, that that place, uh, generates in the fans. And so, um, yeah, it's nothing like it in the world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, just sitting in the stands, you feel that electricity. Yeah. I couldn't imagine jump around hits at the end of third quarter. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. that feels like. Corey, and you remember back in the day, um, we used to, before they had the tunnel with all of the lights back in the day, we used to go through the, uh, the stadium. You remember that? Mm -hmm. yeah. And the fans are right there. So literally they had a little rope and you're walking through the the stadium by the concession stands and stuff. And fans <laughs> are there. They're hitting you, smacking you on the head. And, and it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's special. Man. That's for sure. That's yeah. for sure. Uh, so was it your second game then? Uh, UNLV, you had a, a huge game. Yeah, I think it was the second game of of the season uh, we went out to UNLV, which the Badgers are heading out to Vegas again yep, uh, yep. In, a, in a few weeks. But, um, but yeah, we played against uh, UNLV and, uh, and Alvarez. This is one of the, like the special things about Alvarez. He would always intentionally schedule certain games and things to give guys experiences because uh, he knew some of us came from, 
nothing, right? And, and and we would never have these experiences again. So going out to Vegas and he would purposely go there a day early, right? So we can experience Las Vegas, give us a little time to take in the city, scheduling Hawaii, right? Tried to schedule mm -hmm. Hawaii every four years so that at least every player that went through the program had a chance to go to Hawaii, just things like that, man, which, which uh, you know, are, are special. But we went out to UNLV. Um, yeah, uh, Brooks and I just just connected and 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 uh, yeah, it was it was. I think I had like 150 something yards for a couple touchdowns. I think it might have been two touchdowns. I, yeah, something I think like so. that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was it was a uh, definitely a, a coming out game, and it gave me the confidence. Like uh, I think the previous game, I had one catch. Um, but it, it gave me the confidence, like, all right, you know, I, I can, I can play here. Like I can, I can do this. So. Yeah. I'm sure that confidence is pretty big when you're a wide receiver, uh, in the big 10, um, you know, hitting a slant through the middle or, uh, hitting a, a deep fade or something. You're, uh, yeah. you gotta have that confidence to secure the ball and bring it in and keep running. So, yep. yeah. Awesome. So uh, your freshman year, you ended up, I think, somewhere around 800 yards and, and had a really good year. Um, the next couple of years, uh, your catches were pretty limited. Yeah. Um, what what was your mindset, you know, after your freshman year, uh, having kind of a, a pretty breakout year as a freshman? What was your mindset after that? And, you know, going through the next couple of years, how did that shift or change? Even though I had a, a pretty decent freshman year, the bowl game that year, I had a horrible bowl game. And uh, probably the worst game of my life, right? And and so I dropped a couple balls. I was responsible for an interception. I ran the wrong route, and the guy just picked it off. And so, um, like you know, and 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 this is before like sports psychologists and things like that, and perform folks to help you with the mental aspect of your game. Before Wisconsin had all of that, right? And we didn't even know, right? It's just you're supposed to get over stuff. But part of it was just the trauma of having such a bad game. And I carried it over into the next season, right? And so I started playing uh, out of fear, right? Or trying, playing not to mess up as opposed to just playing and doing what I always knew I could do. So that definitely played a role. Um, and so uh, Lee was back too. So, so you know, some of my and I, I had took his 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 role when he was out his you know with the knee injury my rest her freshman year so that was part of it, um, but definitely man I I just wasn't playing with a lot of confidence and it was you know in large part due to uh, that that horrible bowl game I had and so um, but junior year uh, you know I would say somewhere during the midst of the season you know I, I start I, I recognize it right like and i remember having a conversation with coach mason i'm like man ever since that bowl game i, I felt like i haven't been the you know been the same man and you know he was like man you got to get over that right like this is this is football you're gonna rob yourself of uh of, of more opportunities and so um and so started to to bounce back like junior year yeah that that had to be tough i mean um obviously lee coming back he took uh a, he had a great season that year and uh there was less opportunities in that, but, you know, going through that, uh, having such a, a great freshman year and then for essentially like a year and a half or so, um, having less opportunities or, um, things like that had to be pretty challenging. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so I heard, I was listening to a, a different podcast, uh, talking about the 2004 season. You guys were, were ranked fourth in, in the country, um, had a really great trajectory upwards and, uh, you ran into Michigan state. 
and talk about uh, the the challenges of playing Michigan State, and it, I think it sounded like it may have affected uh, just more than that game. Yeah, that that game. It's funny. I was just at a um, at a high school this past week uh, talking to um, senior student athletes, and I shared this 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 exact story, man. And it's a thing I share with my kids, and just um, it was a huge life lesson in it. So we ended up playing Michigan State. I think we were, like you said, ranked number four. They weren't even ranked. They were horrible. Um, they weren't even 500. And we go to East Lansing and, you know, we make some mistakes early on. And before you know it, I think they're up 14-0. And by halftime, um, you know, we're, we're losing by, I think, a few touchdowns. And they end up blowing us out. I think the score was, was it 40-something to 14 or something like that, I want to say. And, uh, and I remember after the game, you know, uh, on on a bus on, on a plane ride home, guys are blaming each other and 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 coaches, you know, are, are arguing and stuff. And then we get to practice a couple of days later, and we're still focused on that game that we just lost instead of preparing for our next opponent. And so, you know, you still got guys pointing fingers and folks blaming themselves, and it was just horrible. And this lasted a couple of days, and so finally. We go play our next opponent who was, I, I don't remember who it was, but they were just as bad as Michigan State, if not worse. And we ended up losing that game. And now, mind you, even though we lost that Michigan State game, we still had a chance at a very special season, right? Like, like uh, we still had a chance, possibly. I think some other folks left. We, we, we still could have made, it wasn't the playoffs back then, but we still had a chance of potentially, um, you know, being a number one or two team if we had took care of business the rest of the season. But, uh, but I never forget, we lost that next game and, after the game, Coach Alvarez is in the locker room, and we're all just looking like, what in the world just happened? And and he said, you know, tonight, uh, I want to say Indiana, right? I don't remember who it was. Tonight, Indiana didn't beat us. And everybody's looking around like, huh? He's like, yeah, Indiana didn't beat us tonight. He said, Michigan State beat us again. And then he said, never let the same team beat you twice. And what he meant by that was, we were so focused again on the mistakes we made on what went wrong that it robbed us of our preparation for this next game. And so we didn't prepare the way we should have. We were still focused on those past mistakes um, on losing that game. And it robbed us of the opportunity to take care of business this upcoming weekend. So what do you, what do you, and, and you know, I, I carry that in life, right? Like we all go through hardships. We all make mistakes. We all have things done to us that shouldn't have happened or we do things that we shouldn't have did. But so many of us let that continue to beat us, continue to hold us back, continue to rob us of, uh, of present and future opportunities. And so, um, so that's just one of the many life lessons, man, that, that, uh, that I took away from Wisconsin. Yeah. I'm sure coach Alvarez has a ton of things that you, that you learned. We'll talk a little bit about that, uh, pretty soon here, but, um, not a not a fun loss uh those couple losses but uh definitely some lessons for sure um so, so kind of want to talk go back to your senior year um you know having those those couple of seasons prior where you you didn't have as many receptions and things like that what was your mindset were you um focused on you know improving your game and getting to the nfl or were you um really trying to see what the next steps were or, man my, my mindset, was, mindset was was i i I, I, I remember I, I went into Coach Alby's office prior to his senior year, and this is after he had announced that this will be his last season as a Badgers head coach. And I was like, Alby, the last couple of years, man, my, my mindset hasn't been right. 
Um, you know, I'm like, I want you to know you can, you can count on me this year. And I had made it up in my mind, like, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to get back to the love of the game, forget all this other stuff. I know I'm well more than capable of uh, performing at a high level. And I'm just going to do it. And so I went in with that mindset. Um, so I was a lot more mature uh, and, and, and just have fun, man. Just, just, uh, you know, just let it loose and, uh, and, and then end up carrying over that mindset ended up carrying over into my performance that, that year. Yeah. So do you think, um, kind of flipping that mindset, excuse me, um, and conversations with coach Alvarez, coach Mason, do you think that's what led to the success you had your senior year? No, no, I, I think it was, um, for one, again, like junior year, recognizing like I was in this slump and the reason why, and then getting to a place where I understood that, uh, I, you know, again, not letting the same team beat me twice, not letting a bad game, or even if I drop a pass, not letting that rob me of the future opportunity. So I learned how to get over stuff quickly. Um, and it, it was just, it started with my my mental focus, right? And and, and being in the right head space. And then, uh, yeah, it definitely helped, right? And even having those conversations with Alvy and, and, and Coach Mason, to let them know kind of where I, where I was, uh, that definitely played a role in it too. Yeah. Yep. What, um, what are some of the biggest lessons that coach Alvarez, uh, instilled in you and the team that you still use to this day? Man. Um, so the one I mentioned earlier, not letting the same team beat you twice. Another one he used to, um, always say, so we would, we would meet the Thursday night, every Thursday night during the season, right? So we would have practice and all of that. Friday would be a walkthrough and then we, you know, head to the plane or, or head to the to the hotel or whatever. But Thursday night was a night where the guys who were going to play, the guys who were going to play in the game, he would have a small, maybe 20-minute meeting. And just about every Thursday night, he would say, the game of football is like a pendulum, right? Pendulum swings back and forth. He was like, over the course of this game, at some point, uh, we're going to be up high, right? And everything's going to be going going well, man, and, and the crowd is into it. He was like, but at some point, we'll find ourselves down here at the low point. He was like, when that happens, don't give up, right? Keep going, keep fighting, keep because eventually you're going to be up high again, right? And at the end of the game, you know, we, I like our chances of, of, of ending up high. And so life is the same way, right? At some, at, at some points in relationships, at work, Whatever the case is in school, you're going to have these low points, these valley moments, man. But those who are able to keep fighting and keep pushing through it, eventually, you, you, you know, you get up there again. So that's one that I took with me. He, the other thing he he always used to uh, say, um, like what what's you know, we can't compromise a couple things. One, we're going to be the most physical team on the field, like. We might not be the most athletic, but we will be the most physical team on the field. He always used to say, he always used to tell stories about growing up in Pennsylvania and fights he used to get in as a kid and all this. But he was like, uh, he was like, nobody's going to punch us in the mouth, right? Like we're going to be the one to punch somebody in the mouth. We're going to, and, and so we took that mindset into every game. And even if you look at like, we never, to this day, Wisconsin Badger football, like we never get out tough, right? We're going to be the toughest. Mm-hmm. He, he saw us say, we're going to be the most disciplined team. Like we, we're not going to have a lot of foolish penalties. And so there were, all I had to say, there were certain things that we hung our hat on. Like this was our identity, right? This was our brand. And so same thing in business, 
in life in general, right? We all need those those values, those things that 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 we that we that that anchor us, right? That that's that are the non-negotiables that won't change. And so um just things like that. And I cool thing, I had a chance to uh I was back in Wisconsin in September and um th- this is uh the weekend before the big Barry Alvarez celebration. Mm-hmm. And I was in the office and um the guy I was walking with he was like, Man, Alvy's car is here. And so I'm like, You think he's in the office? And, and he was in the office, man. And I had a chance to sit with him about 20 minutes and just share my gratitude for everything that uh that he had done for me and and um the lessons that he taught us and the opportunity that he gave me, which I had never done before. You know, I told him thanks before, but to really go in depth mm-hmm. and share all these things with him was a, a special moment. Yeah, I'm sure the the legacy he's left here at the University of Wisconsin is so incredible. From obviously the coaching aspect, yep. uh, the the lessons he's instilled into all his players, and uh, his impact he had as the athletic director. So, such a phenomenal legacy. Yes, so glad he came over here to Wisconsin. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you uh, you ended up uh, going to the NFL. You were drafted sixth round uh, by the Titans. What was that experience like? What was your mindset heading into draft day? I guess man, I was I was uh, a a little nervous. Um, I was excited. This is something I had been dreaming about, you know, ever since I could remember. Um, and I, 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 it was a little anxiety there. I, I was hearing everything from uh, I could be drafted, I could be undrafted, you know, a free agent, or it was some reports I was saying as early as second round, right? I think one said the Steelers were going to take me in a second round. And so what do you do with all of that information, right? It's like nobody really knows. So I'm like, gosh, we'll see, right? And then it's the other part, like, man, where will I – like literally I could end up in 32, what, 30, 32, 32 different 32. places. And so it's, it's a lot running through my mind. And uh, so it was an exciting time. I didn't get drafted the first day. Um, I was a little disappointed. Uh, I thought I might have a chance to, but did get drafted in the sixth round. And, and um, yeah, it was thrill uh, to be able to share that experience with my family and, and um, head down to, to, to Tennessee. Yeah. yeah, down to Nashville. Down to Nashville. Yeah. Um, that transition from you know being an athlete in college, balancing academics and and football, to you're solely focused on football, um, and you have a little bit more money to work with too. What was that transition like to to go from you know essentially like an amateur athlete to a professional athlete? Man, good question, Corey. It is. It's weird, man. At least for me, it was because, uh, I mean, literally, man, like, you, you know, I was on scholarship. So we got a scholarship check every month to pay rent and to do what. So I manage at the end of the month, you know, I might have a few hundred bucks to play with. Right. After I take care of my, my bills and, and things like that. But all of a sudden, I remember before the draft, uh, you know, I signed with my agent and I got um he, he got us a few, he got me a few endorsements and things like that, which typical things like trading cards and stuff like that. And so before the draft, man, I'm getting checks for like $10,000 and 15,000. And, and I think I might've made maybe like 40, $50,000 before the draft. And here I am, wow. here I am, right. And with this money is like, like, you know what? And, and I had no education, right. No, no financial literacy education. I, I didn't know, 
um, you know, do I just put it in the same my UW credit union account? And and so I just just kept putting it in a bank. Right. Didn't didn't do anything with it. Started bought a few pairs of shoes and things like that. But and then you go right from that. Then you get drafted and you find out. I think my signing bonus was one hundred and nine thousand dollars. I think that's what it was. And and just like that, 22, 23 years old. And now I got a hundred and nine thousand dollar check coming to me. Right. And which. You still have football. Right. Which is which is. And and this is the mistake that a lot of guys make um, young professional athletes. And I made this, too. And Kobe Bryant said it best, man. They asked Kobe uh, in an interview before. He said, what advice? It was the draft was coming up. What advice do you give to the young guys? He was like, focus on the game. Right. It's going to be all these other distractions, the money, the opportunities to get involved in this and that. But focus on it. That's what got you here. Right. So don't lose sight of that. And then, you know, you can dabble with the other stuff. But um, so it's 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 crazy, man. It's, it's uh, you know, definitely uh, life changing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then on top of that, you're you're in training camp. You're, mm-hmm. you're playing against the highest level athletes yep. day in and day out. What was that experience like? That was cool, man. I, I felt like. um Again, just from camp, and I got hurt. Uh, I separated my shoulder in, in rookie mini caps, um, and so that sucks. So that kind of set me back a little bit. But before that, I felt like I was holding my own. And then the big, the older guys come in, and then we have team OTAs. And and again, I felt like I was holding my own. One of our best uh, corners, a guy named Pac Man Jones, um, mm-hmm. and we used to go at it in practice, man. And and it was, you know, he's a former, you know, first round draft pick. At this point, he was a star in the NFL. And uh, like we used to go at it and, and you know, I would win quite a few bit of those battles. And so that, again, gave me the confidence, like, OK, I can I belong here. And then uh, and then I ended up making a team um, that year, made the 53 man roster, didn't play. Uh, they were loaded. Um, we were loaded with receivers and, and some guys that had been around a while and they were paying a lot of money. And so. Um, so, yeah, but but did make the 53 man roster. And then that following year. uh Man was hampered by injuries again, man. Um, I think I had a, a knee thing going on. Anyway, Titans ended up letting me go. And I went out to the Oakland Raiders and uh and um tore my Achilles tenant there. Um, which which was uh I wasn't even there. I think I was there about three weeks, tore my Achilles tendon and and then that, that kind of set me back and um and yeah, just rehab, rehab and but you know, after six months of rehab, uh I you know, I probably could have kept going and, and bounced around and things like that. But physically, man, I felt like it was time for me to move on, man, and, and to see what else is uh guy has for me to do in life. So, yeah, I, battling injuries is tough, both physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that you you want to be out uh, helping your helping your team and getting better and improving, uh, but you can't. You got to rehab and get out. Yeah. Uh, to get better and get out there. Uh, I battled some injuries in high school, which um, we'll talk about identity here in a little yeah. bit. And that's um, part of my conversation there, but um, that's, that's, that's tough. Um, yeah. So what was that transition like from, you know, being in the NFL to what's, what's next? That was rough. Um, that was, that was the hardest uh, period of my life, right. From, being a football player to no longer being a football player. And so, uh, and then again, part of it, you, you know, you go back to 
to what what your goals and expectations were. I was planning on having a long, long career in the NFL. And so even though I had graduated from Wisconsin and everything, I never intentionally thought about how I would progress professionally after football, what I would do, what I like, what I enjoy, because um, my life was pretty much focused on this sport. And so uh, so it was rough, man. And I struggled for a couple years trying to figure out who I was, right, trying to figure out what else I'm supposed to be doing um, with, with my life. Yeah, your identity was kind of consumed in being a football player from the time you were yeah. a, a little kid all the way till your early 20s. And that transition's tough. Um, my, you know, when I, I grew up a, a three sport athlete, I wrestled, I played football and, and baseball okay. and throughout high school or from like six years old till I graduated high school. And that was my identity. Yeah. I, when I went off to college, uh, I didn't do any sports or anything. And I, I lost my identity. I didn't, didn't know what to do, who I was. Um, so that transition, you know, just, just from being a high school athlete to, uh, to college and beyond was really challenging for me. And, um, I ended up just piling on weight. I, I gained almost 200 pounds from the time I graduated high school till uh, about a year ago. And I've shed a little over a hundred of those pounds wow, now. Boy. Um, congratulations, but, man. Thank you. Um, but it's the reason I was able to, uh, finally shed the weight is I, I really got locked into my identity yeah. and who I am and who I want to be. Yeah. And that's, you know, with, with my children, I, I want to be a dad. That's where my identity is now. And uh, the, um, that's going to evolve over time, you know, as, as the kids grow up and, and whatnot, but you know, that's where I am now. So can you talk about, uh, you can't, seems like you kind of went through an identity crisis in, in a way. Yeah, most, most certainly. Uh, so, so I would always, uh, ever since I graduated from high school, I would, I would always return to my high school. Um, throughout college, throughout my, my stint in the NFL to, to, to encourage students to do whatever a teacher might ask me to do just to help out. And uh, I had been on the NFL a few months and my teacher asked me to come up and talk to her class. Um, and so I'm like, yeah, sure. So, I, you know, I'm back in Detroit. I, I'm heading to the school and, and, and normally on this ride over there, I'm thinking about my main points, the things I'm going to talk about, what jokes I'm going to tell. But I was bombarded with these negative thoughts, right? And these negative emotions that I had never experienced before. Like, man, like you let these people down. Like you're not a football player anymore. Who's gonna to wanna to listen to anything you have to say? Like your NFL career, you know, you were a bus. Like you're a disgrace, right? And and by the time I get in the parking lot, um, I'm sitting there and I'm convinced that, that these thoughts were true. And I made a U-turn in the parking lot and left. And Later on that day, I remember this was a turning point. I remember thinking like, just because I don't play football anymore doesn't mean I don't matter. Like I should not be experiencing all of this, right? My self-esteem should not be shot, my confidence, just because I don't play football. And that started me on the journey for uh, searching for, okay, I know this isn't right. This is what I'm struggling with. Why am I struggling with it? And then, you know, what, how can this be resolved? And, you know, and everybody's different, man. For me, um, it, it finally led me to the point where I, I understood the issue. And this is what a lot of athletes struggle with. It's that the foundation, the core of their identity, right? So your prime, the primary way in which you define yourself is athlete. When that should be a, a, a secondary, right? Like that's, 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 
it shouldn't be your, your the foundation of your identity. And so my the foundation of my identity was football player. And with that, my self-confidence, my self-esteem, my purpose, you know what I'm saying? My, 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 uh, my, just all of that was tied to being a football player. And so once it was stripped away, then that's why I crumbled, right? That's why I had this lost sense of identity. And so I got to the point eventually where I realized, man, my core identity can never be based on something I do. It can never be based on performance. And, and it was my faith, man, that I landed on. Like my core identity is, is who I am in Jesus Christ, right? It's, it's that I'm a child of God that can never be stripped from me. It don't matter what job I lose. If I get fired, it doesn't matter where I find myself at in life, no matter what I'm doing, that's the foundation of my identity. And so, um, and now on that, everything else can be built, right? Uh, you know, business, football, you know, being a husband, being a father, you know what I'm saying? Everything else, but that has to remain the core for me. And, and, and that was so freeing. And that really gave me the, the plat, the, the, the stable foundation I needed to, to start building, uh, building back. Yeah. Really glad you were able to, to identify that, uh, that, had to be, you know, it, it can be a struggle for people to really figure out that, that core identity. I like that, that concept of it. So awesome. Yeah. Really, really great. Um, so getting rooted in your, your core identity there, um, you kind of identified a gap too, uh, for like student athletes in, in their transition on to, to life after sports. Was there a, a turning point that, that led you to uh, start athlete transition services, or was it just something you were building over, um, over time? Yeah. So, so my, my experience, I noticed that during my experience and after my transition, I noticed that a lot of, um, former teammates from college, um, from professionally and not just teammates, but other athletes, I knew men and women from other sports. Some of my friends from college, I stayed in contact with a lot were having similar struggles. Like the same things that I dealt with, they were dealing with. And I started informally kind of coaching them through that process. Some of the ones I was close with based on what I had experienced, like, like you know, this is how I, I started moving forward um, and, and, and was able to help some of them. Right. And um, I had always had a desire to 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 start. I always knew I wanted to start some sort of business. Um, and my, it just so happens that my, my area of focus has always been in a nonprofit sector. And so. Um, like that was my major in undergrad, nonprofit management. My, and, and anyway, I went to grad school and, and back in 2012. And then the idea came there, like, I want to start by this time. I had been helping athletes for a couple of years. I'm like, man, I think I want I, I really enjoy helping athletes figure this out. I think I want to start some sort of business or something in this area. And I spent about a year sort of prepping for it and doing some research and and um, and just built one program. And then in January of 2014, um, officially launched uh, um, our nonprofit athlete transition services. So almost eight years ago. And uh, yeah, and, that, and that's what sort of started me in this work. Yeah. What, what kind of services does athlete transition services provide? Yep. So uh, ATS, we provide three types of services. So then uh, the biggest one that we're known for and, and that we, uh, uh, help out with is, is our, um, education, right? So we work backwards. So we say, okay, when athletes, well, let me back up. So our mission is to help prepare athletes for life after sports It's simple. So we say, okay, all the research. And then even just from experiences, most of the folks that, that are on our team are former athletes. We say, 
X, Y, Z are the common challenges athletes face once they're done playing, right? So the stuff we talk about identity, right? Um, career, uh, this career challenges, not, not knowing what direction to take. It's financial literacy uh, or, or, or lack of financial literacy. It's relationships, right? Uh, personal stuff, mental, mental health, right? So these are the, the, the challenges athletes face. So now what can we start doing now to educate athletes to, to empower them so that whenever that 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 road does end, whenever their sport does end, we've helped to alleviate those potential challenges, right? Or or help them to be better prepared to to overcome those challenges. And so so our education is based on that, right? Financial literacy, leadership development, career exploration, health and wellness, um, and uh, uh, personal development. Oh, and then what we call transition management. Right. And so we, 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 we all provide a number of workshops and seminars to help educate and empower athletes. So that's one service. The other two services are mental health and life coaching. So um, so we have a team of therapists and life coaches that provide one on one and small group um, coaching and or uh, counseling for, for athletes um, anywhere in their journey from current athletes all the way to retired athletes. And then the last one in our most uh, our fairly new service is um is a uh, professional development for coaches. So how do we educate coaches and empower them to better serve the whole athlete, right? To, to e- equip them. So they, they are helping to uh, facilitate the holistic growth and development of the athlete. That's, That's such a needed thing in, in the world right now. Um, I definitely, like, like I mentioned, I definitely struggle with that transition um, from high school to, to college and nothing. Um, so I, I definitely, feel like the the services that you provide are making a huge impact for the people that you're you're um, working with and um, I want to talk a little kind of rewind just a, just a hair the um, the services that universities provide now um, kind of in-house are probably a bit uh, more robust than they were back when you were yeah. you were in in college um, and so I'm sure you work with a lot of those those folks and and uh, transition work and whatnot. So you just talk about what it was like, uh, kind of the services that were provided back when you played versus yeah. what, what it is now. Yeah, man. So, uh, so the field itself is, is, is called, uh, athlete development, right? So it's a whole field now. Um, back when I was just take Wisconsin, for example, back when I was at Wisconsin, I graduated in 2006, we had no person dedicated to athlete development, right? We had academic support. We had a nutritionist, we had, um, you know, uh, uh, I think that was about it. And then obviously weightlifting and things like that mm-hmm. and, and, and football. But as far as but that was it. And now I think it's six or seven people fully dedicated to the growth and development of athletes outside of just 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 the sport. Right. And so they have career counselors. They have uh, there. They have therapists. Right. They have um they have mindfulness. They have a mind. Wisconsin, one of the only schools I think right now that have a mind uh, that has a meditation and mindfulness person on staff, right, to to help with the student athletes. And so, uh, this robust sort of uh, uh, just 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 department, man, to help with the holistic growth and developments of, of athletes is is awesome. And the cool thing is, man, just about every school at least has one person dedicated to to that to the the life skills and preparing athletes for for life after sports, which is awesome to see. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I assume you, you 
attend a lot of universities and go on site and do seminars. You probably do some uh, within the last you know year and a half or two years. You're probably doing some more this kind yeah, of Zoom yeah. type type stuff. Yeah. Um, what kind of challenges did that bring? Oh, it's not as engaging, right? Um, mm-hmm. it, 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 I guess it was an opportunity to 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 still, even though when when everything was shut down, to still um, be able to to carry out our mission and, and to help athletes. So it was better than nothing, and I'm definitely appreciative for it. But um, I don't know. I I think the the biggest the biggest hurdle is you know it's nothing like being able to sit in front of someone and, and look somebody in the eye and shake a hand. And, and, uh, you know, so I just think that human interaction face-to-face interaction was the, is the biggest hurdle. So. Yeah. I've taught a, I taught a bunch of classes, you know, career and professional development yeah. classes, uh, virtually and it's tough. Yeah. Um, it almost feels like you're staring at, you're just talking to yourself yeah. in a screen. Yeah. Um, and you know, standing in front of a room uh, and seeing those light bulb moments or, just so fun so um yeah hopefully hopefully there's more in-person seminars and stuff moving forward for you yeah so what are what are your goals for ats moving forward yeah man so the crazy thing is i've been thinking about this a lot lately um and i don't know if it's an athlete in me or what but uh when people used to ask me questions like that i used to say man we're going to be the number one uh hub for athlete development you know, in, in the world and, and we're going to be international and all of this. And, and that's not my goal anymore, man. Honestly, I really believe that we all have a lane, right. That, that we're supposed to, 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 to be in and we have a purpose we're supposed to fulfill. And so, and so my, my role or my goal is to make sure that ATS is providing the very best services for, for the things that, for our lane, right? It's other folks who do other stuff. I used to view them as competition, to be honest with you. I don't anymore, right? And so now like, we're expanding partnerships with other organizations who, who are in this space. And so my, my goal was to make sure that, that whatever our lane is supposed to be, that we're in our lane, that we do it to the best of our ability, and that uh, we help as many athletes as we can. And so, uh, so now it's, it's, it's so I, I guess a, a more practical goal uh, now is figuring out, okay, what, what, what is our exact lane? Right. And I have an idea, but want to really hone in and zero down on, on, on what that looks like. And, um, and, you know, and, and developing a strategic plan around, around that. So that within the next few years, we're clicking on all cylinders and everything is up to, to where it should be. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, anything else you want to add about ATS? Otherwise, I got some rapid fire questions about Wisconsin we can dive into. Yeah, I, I guess um, you know. Again, we're five hundred one c three. We we do some some fun and exciting work um, in helping to prepare athletes for life after sport. And so, uh, if you want to learn more, you can visit atscorp.org. That's a t s c o r p dot org. If you like to donate, uh, it's tax deductible. You know, us being a 501c3, and uh, we definitely welcome that. Or volunteer in some capacity. Um, you know, you can reach out to us. Just fill out the contact information on there. So. Great. And they can find you on the website. Uh, they can find you on Instagram and Facebook and all that mm-hmm. stuff, too. Yep. I am, uh, I am underscore Jonathan Orr on um, Twitter, on uh, Instagram. And uh, I'm on LinkedIn, just Jonathan Orr. I- I'm-, I'm everywhere. You can just type in Jonathan Orr. Sounds good. 
All right. Some rapid fire questions about the state of Wisconsin. Okay. Uh, and then I have a final question to wrap up Good. our conversation here today. So um, this is like when you're in Wisconsin, obviously you're, you're over near Detroit now. So um, what's your favorite restaurant in Wisconsin? Ooh. Just one. I can just name one. You can name a couple. I can name like. a couple. Okay. I got to go yeah. with uh, Ann's Pizza. Yeah. Ann's Pizza. Um, my favorite wings to get in Wisconsin is a place called Glass Nichols. Mm -hmm. Glass Nichols. I love Glass Nichols wings. Uh, my favorite, like, sit down, sit down restaurant. And I haven't been there in a couple of years. I hope it's still open. It's a spot called uh, Hula Hands. Mm -hmm. It's called Hula Hands. That's where we used to uh, take the recruits for, like, a good meal. And, and I was always so happy when I got a recruit that weekend because I would go. And then, and I would tell the wait waitress like, "Hey, give me three of these meals too to go." And then I would just take it, take it back to the dorm. So <laughs> nice, nice, oh, yeah. awesome. All right, uh, second rapid fire is: What is your favorite event in Wisconsin? Badger game, Badger Badger football. Yeah, game. yeah, yeah. The atmosphere around Camp Randall is just phenomenal. Yeah, it sure is. I haven't been to to a whole lot of other other college football stadiums, but um, it's, it'd be hard to beat mm -hmm. what we have here in Madison. It, it sure is. And it's something that's bigger, right? Uh, obviously Penn state and Michigan, but um, e even having friends that played at those places and, or meeting folks that who, you know, go to college games all over the place from SEC to just um, like, it, it's, it's, it's pretty well known that it's nothing like, you know, and these aren't even Badger fans, but folks who have just been to Camp Randall, they say it's nothing like it. So, mm -hmm. so I don't even think I'm being biased there. I don't. So <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. Last rapid fire question. Uh, when you're in Wisconsin, where's your favorite place to hang out? Hmm. My favorite place to hang out in Wisconsin, man, I, I like hanging out on, I, I love hanging out on campus. I love hanging out at the terrace. Um, you know, the student union right off the lake there. Uh, if, if it's, if it's, uh, you know, warm if it's like the summer. I'm not going out there in the yeah. winter, but uh, yeah, but yeah, I think yeah, just just campus, the athletic facilities, right? The all of that. Uh, I think that's my favorite place to hang out. Awesome. All right, I have two questions actually. Uh, so tying back to Wisconsin in general, um, how do you think uh, Madison and the University of Wisconsin helped shape you into who you are today? Oh man, that's a good question, Corey. Um, Man, Madison is where I literally, you know, transitioned from a, a, a boy to a man, right? Uh, at the University of Wisconsin, you know, arriving there the summer right after graduation. Um, it's where I established lifelong relationships with, with guys that I played with, with coaches. Um, it afforded me an opportunity to get a world-class education and get a degree that, uh, you know, something I always be proud of that, that no one can ever take from me. And, uh, um, you know, just, just football, being able to have that experience to play, um, football on a, on a stage like that. Um, yeah, I met my wife there, right. Uh, man, this is, yeah, this is mean, means the world to me, man. Yeah. Really helped build the foundation to yeah. who you are today. Yeah. 
That's yeah. awesome. All right, last question for you. I ask everybody that hops on Wisco Legacy here. When all is said and done, what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? Man, um, man, there, there, there's a, a a couple things. One, uh, I had an aunt who passed away um, within the last couple months, and I went to her funeral, and the most awesome thing was what was the things that her kids said about her my cousins right we're all around the same age and each one of and they're all um daughters and so they all stood up and shared these moments these experiences that they had with her and what they took away from her and just spoke about her with such uh just respect man and honor and so so one of my my one of my leg i guess legacy goals is that those who are the closest to me, right? Like, I don't want to be out impacting, you know, athletes and or, you know, leading an organization that does all this work and helping folks all over the organization and, and then neglect to, to you know, to serve my family, right? And neglect to lead my kids in the right way. And so so I want those who are the closest to me to be able to to speak highly of me, man, you know, when I'm, when I'm dead and gone. Um, and, and another legacy goes is, I'm going to make sure that, you know, my wife and I are raising good human beings, right? Like, yeah, I want them to be successful, whatever that looks like and, and good, good grades and stuff like that. But I want them to like be compassionate people, right? Like, like care about your neighbor, um, treat people with respect, treat people with kindness. I feel like that's something that we're losing these days, man. And so, so yes, I want them to, to accomplish things and stuff like that, but I want them to be, uh, good human beings, man. Um, and then lastly, kind of like we talked about earlier with, with ATS, it's this, I think it's, uh, it's this verse in the Bible. I think it's Acts chapter 18, verse 30, 18, 1836. I think it's, it's a, Acts somewhere, but it's talking about King David, man. And everybody know King David for killing Goliath, right? And, and, and uh, that awesome thing he did, but um, David made a whole lot of mistakes in his in his life and the bible is is clear and transparent about it right but david um he always he never kept making the same mistake twice and he got better and better and then in acts chapter 13 verse 36 i think it is it says that david served the purposes of god for his generation and then he died right and to me that sums up life like like so when it's all said and done i Whatever God put me on this earth to do, I want to make sure that I accomplish that. And I don't want to just be out here doing my own thing, chasing after money and and success and neglect, uh, you know, what my true purpose is. And so I want to leave a legacy that uh, that that hopefully the thing God put me on this earth to do, I did it. So that's great. Uh, those three legacy goals there, the uh, the impact you're making on student athletes your family and, and anybody that knows you is is tremendous so um anything else you want to add before we sign off no Corey, th thank you so much man again for providing this opportunity uh i appreciate it man love to be back one day uh we talk about something else if you like but um but no this was fun appreciate it yeah thank you i appreciate it thanks for joining wisco legacy anytime such a fun conversation with Jonathan Orr. Be sure to go check out Athlete Transition Services. Uh, check out his Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn profiles. Uh, 
he's he's such a great guy. He's doing some phenomenal stuff for student athletes. So, uh, Jonathan, thanks again for joining Wisco Legacy.